bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate all your hard work and your efforts. Um, I just want to echo what Pastor Mike was saying. Tonight is our night of prayer. And if you have not been to a night of prayer, I really want to challenge you. Come out. Just, just go through a night of prayer with us. Um, it will change your day. It will change your week. Hopefully it will change your month. Because we get alone with God in this place. His presence is in this place. His spirit moves. And we just have a great time. And our, our, our world is in desperate need of this. There's some big things going on in your life, in, in, in your world, that will not change until we get a hold of the altar of God and petition heaven about these needs. And so we need to do that tonight. We need you to pray. If you can't be here, that's okay. Wherever you're at, I pray that at 6.30, maybe you set an alarm, a reminder, or text, something, and say, I need to be in prayer, and just take take some moments and, and join us in prayer. And um, we we believe we believe we're going to see great big things God's going to do through our night of prayers, and, and it's kind of setting the tone for Brighton this year. And uh, we're excited about that. <clears throat> we're excited about today. It's a beautiful day. Going to be a beautiful day. How many enjoyed the snow uh, this past week? Was that not the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life? I'm like, I know I live in the Ozarks, but come on. Like, it was a beautiful snow. Like, I mean, big old flakes. I mean, it was just the craziest thing. But uh, that's the Ozarks. But can you believe that next week is Palm Sunday and the week after that is Easter? I mean, it, it is here. Easter is here. A lot of the first servicers said, I looked like Easter egg today. So I'm just promoting Easter is what I'm doing. And so, but uh, the, the, in saying that, I want to challenge you guys. Easter is only a couple weeks away. And Easter is one of the times... Uh, that most people are open to coming to church, open to experiencing church. So I wanted to ask you, invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite coworkers, invite them to come to church. If they don't have a church home, if they're not going somewhere, invite them to come to church with you and invite them to experience what God has for them that day. And then that Saturday before, Mike said, Pastor Mike said that Saturday before had an Easter egg hunt, it's going to be a blast. If you haven't been to that, you need to come. It's just so much fun. It's a free event. We give away a ton, a ton, a ton of candy. And saying that, if you if you see candy at the store, grab a bag, drop it off up front. Uh, we need it because we give away thousands of pieces of candy a day. We give away prizes. We have hot dogs, popcorn, inflatables. So if you know a kid, they need to be here that Saturday before Easter. I think it's 10 to 1130. And invite somebody out. Again, if you know any kids, invite them to come out. It's free of charge. Uh, we just want opportunity to love on some people that day. And so that's, that's what we're going to be blast. So the sign-up sheet up front, sign up, be a part of that. Um, it's just fun. It's a fun season to be in. It's a fun time of year. Um, and so we invite you to just walk through it with us. I got a crazy question for you, but what if I was to invite you to Battlefield Mall this week and say, hey, we're going to have lunch at the food court. You know, some of you be in, some of you would not be in. But then I said, okay, we're going to have lunch in the food court, but in the middle of lunch, we're going to stand up in the food court and sing America the Beautiful. How many would want to join me? There's a couple. There's a couple. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm all right. But, you know, a few years ago, it was a pretty popular thing. They called these fat flash mobs, right? Or they, they planned to get together. You'd, you'd go out somewhere and you'd sing or, or do something, and it kind of pop off. You see how many people kind of join with you or want to be a part of that. You know, as I think about the flash mob concept, I think about what this video we're going to see here in a second. You got to realize it's not the first person 
that stands up and sings real loudly to get this thing started with, is it? In fact, some of you, if you've ever been anywhere this happens, that first person stands up and you're probably like, I wish they'd sit down, <laughs> right? Like this is totally uncomfortable, just let me eat my french fries in peace and sit down, right? But it's not that first person. What is it? It's after like the second person, third person, fourth person, fifth person. After all these people start getting up, standing up, and start singing, maybe you start to think about it a little differently. Like, hang on a second. If there's that many people doing that, maybe I should get in on this, right? And as you're eating your lunch, the crowd grows, and, and the loud music gets louder, and you got to decide, am I going to stand up? Should I stand up? What, I wonder if I should join in singing this. I got a video I want to show you. This happened in, a, in North Carolina many years ago. I say few, but it's a lot more than few. But uh, I want you to see what happens as this flash mob kind of takes hold. funny for me to watch some of the reactions, right? You see all the smiles, you see some people smirking, like, what is going on, right? As an introvert, I don't want nothing to do with that, right? I just want to eat my french fries and quiet. But it's funny to see people's reaction, like, you know, should I stand up? Should I? I just want to eat my lunch in peace. But for whatever reason, you see some people kind of get swept up in it, don't you? There's some people, you know, like there's a portion they're there for that reason. They're there to sing that song, to stand up. But there's some people, they're just there to eat lunch. They get swept up in it, and they start standing up, and they start singing, don't they? I mean, they probably weren't a part of the original group, but they just got wrapped up in the middle of it, and they, they join in. You know, so the question is, what prompts strangers to stand up and start singing in the middle of a crowded food mall? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm convinced, again, it's not the first lady, but it's probably the second, probably the third, probably the fourth. 15th person, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I, w I wonder if I should stand. I wonder if I should start singing. And now all of a sudden, that crazy lady doesn't seem so crazy at start of this, right? And you're kind of questioning that. But that, that's what we're going to see today in, in our scripture. What we're reading in the Bible is a moment. I'm convinced that the people who are in this moment, they're involved in that moment didn't realize that that moment was going to turn into a movement that swept across the nation, that just survived over thousands of years in what we get to partake of today. In Acts chapter 5, what happens is when God gets involved in that moment in time, and it turns into that movement. And what's cool about it is God can take what seems for you and I just a brief moment and when he interjects the power of the Holy Spirit into that moment, we're going to see today that moment turns into this big movement. 
where the gospel is now across all the nation. And it's catching fire and it's growing. And the first Christian church started as, as, a, as a moment. It really caught fire. And that's what we're going to see. And we're going to see the words of Jesus come true that he said in Matthew 18, 20. He said this, he said, when two or three gather together, what it means is when, when we're unified, when we're one accord, what does it say? In my name, I'm in their midst. That's what we're going to see. His Holy Spirit his Holy Spirit takes this moment, which you got to think the people who are living through this. It's just an ordinary moment. It's just, it's just a part of life. But the Holy Spirit takes that simple moment and turns into an unstoppable movement. And that's what we're going to see happen. And we're going to see some things that took place that we need to have in our lives to position us for maybe this moment at Brighton, maybe one day we get to point back and, and say, this is, this is when this movement took place, this moment. And so make sure we're ready. There's some things we got to learn from the Scripture today. And the first thing is that we got to learn that we work toward a single purpose. We need to be unified, working toward a single purpose. And that's the first thing I want you to know is how the church, in the, the first church there, how they're unified, their unity and they're working together, and they have like laser-like focus in their, in their goals. They have one singular purpose, and that singular purpose with the Holy Spirit does some incredible things today. By the way, it, it's not just today in the, book of in the book of Acts in Jerusalem thousands of years ago. He's still, he's still doing that today at Brighton. I can tell you testimony to testimony how the Holy Spirit's moved in people's lives here recently. How they've been given a doctor's report, and, and they've been given time, and, and, and they're still here. They say, well, you're not going to walk out of the hospital. They're not in the hospital today. I can tell you time and time more stories like this, how the Holy Spirit is moving today, how miracles are still real, and how this moment can turn into a movement. And he's still doing it. Look at, look at our text today in, in, in Acts chapter 5. We're going to be Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16 this morning. I'm going to read 12 and 13 to you. It'll be on the screen for you this morning. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They're all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. If you just take those two scriptures, it kind of sounds odd, especially 13. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. But really, to, to kind of gap, grab a whole picture, let's look back at what happened previously to this, especially in verse 12. Because we understand when, when the church first started the book of Acts, it was just a handful of believers. And we've got to see this as we walk through Acts. We see how the, the church grew and the church exploded, but it started with a handful of guys, Right? Now this group of followers has started to grow. It got a little bit bigger. So big now, homes couldn't hold them. The homes, they, they outgrew them. And so in our, our text today, and actually last week, we saw they were in Solomon's colonnade. And so they're together, and I've got a picture. I want to show you where they're at, what they're talking about. So this is how the temple would be set up. In the middle part, you see the temple, the beautiful, beautiful gate there. And that's where they would go to pray. But out to the left there with the columns is Solomon's porch, Solomon's colonnade. And this is where they would gather, and they would always pass this, and you, you, you would go by this as you're going to the temple in prayer. So get this picture. How cool is this picture, right? The church, 
this is a church. They're meeting along here, like a food court almost, right? And people walking by are probably thinking, oh, no, should I, should I go over there? Should I not go over there? Well, then after last week, this is why we get, they don't dare go over there, because last week, remember what happened? A couple of people lied to God, and they, were, they fell dead. So guess what? Everybody saw that happen. Everybody saw the interns rush in, pull the guy out, go bury him, right? They come back, his wife's dead, they pull him out, go bury him. So everybody's seeing this happen. And so that's why that, that is phrased that way. And they were struck dead in the middle of service, basically. And so in verse 13, people are standing up and taking notice like the folks in a crowded food court. It's a little scary, but they're asking, should I stand up? Should I join? If I stand up, if I join them, will people start to look down on me, right? Will people think I'm crazy? Come on. Some of you have experienced that before. You going to what church? I heard they're a little crazy there, right? Is it true? Do they have a chandelier? Well, my AG people will get that one. I think, well, you're crazy. They'll talk bad of me if I stand up, if I join them. Everybody's going to know this. Everybody's going to see this. And that's exactly what everyone has to go through. Every one of us has to go through. We're deciding we want to be followers of Jesus. Some people are afraid. Some people are afraid maybe what they'll do with their reputation. Some people are skeptical about what's, what's really happening in the midst of church. But I want you to know something about the end of this sentence. No one was silenced about it. Everybody had a choice, everybody made a choice, but nobody was silenced about it. Some people were scared, some people were skeptical. But imagine a church, imagine a church that is completely irrelevant, and nobody in town knows about them. I fear that's a lot of our churches today. When I was a part of, when I was a missionary of rural compassion, that's the first thing I would do. When I went to be with the church, I'd stop in town, gas station, go in there, get some snacks or whatever, and ask them, hey, you know where this church is at? And it was alarming how many stations didn't know who I was talking about. You're talking a town of 300. I mean, come on. It's not a big town. And so it's scary to imagine something like that. But what we see in Acts chapter 5 is a church that is not irrelevant, that everybody's talking about. Why? Because they had one singular focus. They had one purpose. They were all together. What made this church so powerful is it had a laser-like focus, and they were following the same leader. And who was that leader? Well, the leader wasn't Peter. It was the Holy Spirit. They had one singular focus, and they were following a leader, and that was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was leading them, guiding them. He was giving them great power to this group because they had one singular purpose. You know, this whole idea of a singular purpose was pioneered by Albert Einstein. Now, I'm going to get way out of my depth here, so just hang with me, all right? But I did some research. I know it's scary. But he, I didn't know this was a thing, but you can receive a Nobel Peace Prize for an ideal. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. So if you have a great idea, maybe you get a Nobel Peace Prize for it. But the, he, he, won the, he won the Nobel Prize for ideal, and his ideal was, um, he called it photonic electric, photoelectric effect was his ideal, photoelectric effect. His idea was that 
the power of light, and there was power to it. And what Albert Einstein theorized was light has immense power. When you flip the switch, it goes everywhere. So he had this idea what happens if we could, we could get all that light into one place. And Einstein had this idea. He thought that if there were particles within the light, which is called photons, if he could focus those photons, there's immense power there. One singular focus, immense power. Of course, during Einstein's time, he didn't really have the technology to research this out. But after he passed, they started doing research. They pioneered, they pioneered research called light amplification by stimulated emissions of radiation. Come on, I think I should get a donut for saying that without messing up, right? Come on, your boy's growing up right before your eyes. Let me say it again. So this is the research they pioneered. It's called light amplification by stimulated emissions of radiation. You know what the acronym for that is? Laser. Right. Laser. In all his research, the scientists were actually able to focus the power of light. Okay? Now, the first laser had 10,000 watts of power. That's a lot of power. 10,000 watts in one laser. The latest laser today can produce 10 petawatts of power. Now, here's where I get way out of my depth, so just stick with me. I'm going to try to explain how much power a petawatt is. And so to get a sense, we have to start with an exawatt. Okay, exawatt, it, it contains, it, compare it to a typical filament light bulb. You know the old light bulbs, the filament ones, not the LED, but the filament light bulbs, they, they were consuming about 100 watts of electricity. Okay? The capacity of the entire U.S. electrical grid is about 10 billion times more than that, about one terawatt. So an entire grid can supply enough power to continually power 10 billion 100 light bulbs, 100 watt light bulbs. Okay, that's one exawatt. So one exawatt of power can power 10 billion 100 watt light bulbs. A petawatt is 1,000 times more than that. I don't even know how to quantify that, but that's a lot of power is what I'm saying, right? That's a lot of power. What happens when you can focus all that light into one singular focus? That's why he's telling us today, that's what happens when we as a body focus one singular mission. What is our mission? To win the lost, the harvest. That is our goal. That is always our goal. As a church goes, the church goes down the dangerous road when we start focusing on three things, four things, five things. We got 13 things we're focused on. Guess what? We lose at that point. We've lost because we have one singular focus, and that's always about the harvest. Just think about it. You, you're blessed with this gift of salvation. And this gift is so awesome. How do you not tell people about it? That's our ultimate job. That's what we're called to do. It's always about the harvest. My prayer is that we have this laser-like focus, and that's the one thing that our church exists to do is win the lost. Our Easter egg hunt, that's what it's about. It's about the lost. It's about that day we get to love on hundreds of kids by giving them candy, hot dogs, and popcorn. 
But we get to love them. We get to tell them they're, they're special. We get to tell them they're valuable. We get to love on them. It's always about the harvest. So what do we do? We do this by reaching, building, and sending. If we fail at this, we fail God. If we succeed at everything else but this, we failed. And so in order to achieve this, in order, remember we, we did a 20-mile radius around Brighton. Within that 20-mile radius of Brighton, there are 11,578 unchurched people. That's a big number. That's going to take laser-like focus to we understand what our job is, understand what the goal is. It's about the harvest. It's always about the harvest. There's a great power in the early church because there was laser-like focus. There was unity. And look what comes next out of this unity. People started to stand up. They started taking notice. Crowds were impacted by this, not just in Jerusalem, but now the world, word starts to spread in communities and other communities and more communities, what Jesus has done for them. Because they start to hear this. They're telling each other, they're witnessing to all people about Jesus' saving power. So we got to have one singular focus. And our focus here at Brighton is the lost. We have to win the lost. The next thing we have to do is we have to be a witness. We have to be a witness. we got to be a witness about Jesus' saving power. The truth is, if you've been born again, if Jesus radically changed your life, if Jesus saved you, then guess what? You have an irrefutable, unarguable story. Can I say that again? If Jesus has impacted your life, if Jesus changed your life, if Jesus saved you, guess what? You have an irrefutable, undeniable, unarguable story. People can argue with you all day long about what the Bible says. Well, the Bible says this. The Bible, says, the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus said this. They can argue about all that. But one thing they cannot argue with you about is what God did in your life. You can't deny it. You got a story. Just like the crippled man a couple weeks ago, they, 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 they said, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give you, rise up and walk. The Sanhedrin, they had nothing to do with him. They, we can't do anything. He's standing up. There's no denying that. There's no denying what God has done in your life. Many of you have a testimony of miracles in your life. Doctors told you this thing. Guess what? 30 years later, I'm still here. You can't argue with that. There's no denying that. That's the one story that nobody can argue with. And then when that story is unleashed by the power of the Holy Spirit... It radically transforms communities. You see, how, 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 how does it go when you try to witness under your own power? Come on. This is a lesson that's very hard for men. Let me just tell you that. Men, when we get stuck in a problem, what do we like to do? We like to force it. Come on, I can power through that sucker, right? I can get it to work. And what always happens when we try to power through under our own power, I guarantee it's going to cost you more time and it's going to cost you money because you've got to fix what you just broke. Right? Come on. I did that yesterday. Still learning. What happens when under the power of the Holy Spirit, we simply start sharing what God has done in our lives? 
And we trust the Holy Spirit to do something with that. Instead of you trying to force it on somebody. Instead of you trying to beat your kids over the head about Jesus or your grandkids over the head about Jesus. What about us sharing what God has done in your life and trusting the Holy Spirit? That's all we have to do is be a witness. You can argue about that. Acts 5.14, believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. The Bible is describing here is adoption. That's the harvest. We're seeing the harvest. Men and women multiplying. Multitudes of them are being adopted into God's family. They're becoming the children of God. These are once dead in their sins are now alive in Christ like you and I are. Now they become sons and daughters of God. Now they become sons and daughters of God. And he's therefore adding them to the church daily is what it says. The language here, it's referring to this is not happening just on Sundays at Solomon's Colonnade. But this is happening all week long. And how this happened? Why were people coming across Christ all day long, every day of the week, in the time of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago? Because believers were willing to witness. Believers were willing to tell others their story. Tell others about what Jesus, that's why it worked. That's why it's so powerful. Because under the power of the Holy Spirit, they were just sharing what happened to them. Some of you in here this morning, you may think, well, I don't have a testimony, Pastor. I've kind of been in this church thing all my life, so it's, I'm kind of vanilla. Nobody likes vanilla anymore. Can I say, that's a testimony that God's kept you all this time, that God's kept you in his body, in his church, in a relationship with him all these years. That's a testimony. Share that testimony of what God's done for you and your family. That's simple. That is so simple. We can do that. And then it takes the pressure off you. Because guess what? It's not up to you to save them. It's not up to you to win them. That's only through Jesus. So give it over to the Holy Spirit and tell your story. Tell what God has done in your life. Pretty soon the way that they live is, is radically impacted by what they believe. And I'm convinced everybody on the planet is looking for this. They're looking for something real. Something they can grab hold of. They just want to know, is the stuff you guys say, do you really believe? And is it real enough to change them? That's what they want to know. Is this real? And that's what, what we see when people start to walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's the third thing this morning. I want to ask the worship team to come on up. So one, we're going to get on the same page because we're going to have one singular focus. And that focus is the lost. That focus is the harvest. Two, we're going to be a witness. Share your story. Share your story often. Share it so much with confidence that you're sharing it with the power of the Holy Spirit behind it. I don't get up on a Sunday morning flippantly and, and share the Word of God. Every time, every time before I get up, I'm always praying, Holy Spirit, give me your words. Because guess what? Holy Spirit's words are a lot heavier than my words. Holy Spirit, through you sharing your witness is going to be a lot heavier than you just telling a story. And so that's why it's so important that we walk in the Holy Spirit. Because I want you to notice what happens when a brother is so impacted by the Holy Spirit that he's literally just walking 
along, and the Holy Spirit is ministering, doing miracles around them. Look at verses 15 through 16. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that Peter came by. At least a shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What we're looking at here, what we're seeing in Scripture, we're talking about supernatural spiritual healings. And this is a medical doctor who's writing this account for us. He's saying that physical healing is happening in Acts chapter 5. What's blowing the mind is Peter isn't even taking part in these. He's just walking by and a shadow falls on them and they get healed. Come on, that's like an introvert's dream. You don't have to say nothing. Just walk by and let your shadow fall on them and you see people getting healed. And that's not because of Peter. The Bible is saying when he's just walking by, the Holy Spirit is doing miracles. When his shadow's passing over people, they're being healed. When his shadow's passing over these people, demon-possessed people are getting freed. All because of what God is doing. When they started with a singular focus, committed to walking in the Spirit, the miraculous starts to happen. I bet, I bet you anything, if you ask Peter and these apostles, hey, when did this whole thing start for you guys? I'm very convinced that none of them would have said this moment. But what you saw, what we see in Acts chapter 5 as a church, it used to be very small, many in houses. Got a little bit bigger. Got a little bit bigger. They started meeting at the temple. Words start to spread throughout Jerusalem about what God's doing amidst. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit set fire to these believers. And it became a movement that spread it outside of Jerusalem. And it kept spreading and spreading and spreading. All because it's a group of handful of ignorant fishermen. Had a singular focus. Started telling their story. Or step with the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. These are some sinful very sinful men who deny Jesus are now being used in incredible ways. That's what we're reading in the story this morning. We're, we're, we're seeing that this, this is the moment where Holy Spirit lights fire on this church and they become unstoppable. Something is still going on today. We're here today because of this. You know what made them so strong, so powerful? What made them different? Because they were in step with the Holy Spirit. They were marching together in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, I know some of you guys have, have kids or have been through band, then the marching thing. And the whole marching thing is so crazy. Because it's so co coordinated. And it goes off the beat of that drum. I mean, you'll see them, they're weaving in and out of each other. I mean, they're taking steps. They don't know when to take a step, how fast to take the step. I mean, it, it's just amazing. I challenge you to go YouTube Ohio State uh, marching band. I mean, it, it makes you dizzy, some of the things they do. Like, how in the world are they keep in step with everybody and not collide and not fall down? They learn to listen to that beat of that drum. It tells them when to go, it tells them when to stop. When the, the... This is what the disciples did. This is what these ignorant fishermen got hold of. That if they just get in tune with the Holy Spirit, 
when they're in step with the Holy Spirit, guess what? There's that power that we cannot explain. That power that when you just tell somebody simply your story, Holy Spirit begins to work on their heart, begins to change that person. Before you know it, that person is changed because of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we're reading in Acts chapter 5. We're trying to figure out how to get in step. Holy Spirit, start to meet or walk by the drum of the Holy Spirit. These are our steps. We have a singular purpose. That purpose is to win the loss. A purpose is to harvest. And so we have to be a witness, but take strength. You are not on your own, but walk in the Spirit. I want to ask you to stand this morning.